More and more states are legalizing online gambling, opening up the possibility for sports betting and online casinos to expand into a trillion dollar industry. That's giving a handful of relatively small companies like DraftKings and Penn National a huge opportunity for growth. Last week, one of our larger investments in online gambling, GAN, reported their quarterly earnings and the stock price fell big because they missed the estimate and they confirmed that they're losing FanDuel sportsbook business as of the end of the month. So what now? Are we selling or should we double down and buy more? Because they're keeping the FanDuel gaming business, which is actually more lucrative than sports betting, and the revenue nearly doubled year over year, and they beat revenue estimates, and they reaffirmed their full year guidance of 37 to $39 million. Today on Dumb Money Live, we'll share which stocks we're betting on, plus get the inside scoop from a special guest who will be joining us this morning, Will Hershey. He is the CEO of the firm that created the sports betting and iGaming ETF, known as bets, ticker symbol B-E-T-Z, as we place our bets on who will win the trillion-dollar online gambling revolution. This is Dumb Money Live with Chris Camillo, Dave Hansen, and Jordan McLean, streaming live on YouTube. We are Dumb Money. Hey there, Dave here along with Chris and Jordan. Welcome to Dumb Money Live. So much to get to this morning. And now more than ever, we really need your help waking up the YouTube algorithm by smashing the like button, liking the smash button. We're uh, setting a little goal this morning to get to 200 likes so that we can move on to our main topic, the surge in online gambling. We have, looks like 49 likes right now. So get to liking. We're going to, um, we have a little game of would you rather coming up. We're going to decide between Penn National and DraftKings. Plus, we have to talk about GAN. And as always, whatever you guys want to talk about down in the live chat this morning. So now, time to hit that like button. 67 now. We're, we're going to get there. As soon as we get to 200, we can move on. I'm, I'm holding the show hostage. Um, we, we might be here all day. No, hey, no, we 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 have we already have 200 people on, so if they each hit the like button, we will be there. Plus, I also have to tell you that we are super pumped to have the guy behind the Betsy TF, Will Hershey. He'll be joining us probably in 30 minutes, uh, 45 minutes from now. And if that weren't enough, we have our eyes on the weather, the dual hurricane that might or may not hit the coast, the heat wave in California that's causing the worst power outages in history, and the inland hurricane in Iowa, which isn't technically an inland hurricane at all. How many times have you guys Googled derecho? Because I know that I have. I'd never even heard of a derecho before yesterday when uh, when Chris told us about it. I mean, I... I <laughs> Neither have I. I, I. And Dave, you I, used to be an amateur meteorologist. I uh, kid, fancy right? myself as an amateur meteorologist. Um, and I, I feel like I have heard the term, but it would not be one that like came to mind. I, I would have said inland hurricane or a 400-foot-wide tornado or something. I can't even believe that story happened so long ago and barely made the news. Like a 14-hour storm that wiped out 40% of all of the corn and soybean in, in Iowa. Uh, that's like Gee, $4 that, billion dollars of damage. That That's that's 2020 is all about noise, man. I mean, I think half of our gains this year are just about our ability to see through the noise. And it's just one more example where you know, stories aren't getting the normal attention they would because there's just so much noise out there. And it's it's really important to clear through that. Man, I've been working for days on this episode. I can't wait to the disaster trade later on. I, you know what, Dave? I, stay, I'm going to have a bonus. Stay tuned to the very end. You see our little timeline here. It's it's way over there. Disaster trade coming up. In, a, in addition to the disaster trade, at the end of the episode, 
I added a new position to my portfolio today that I haven't even told you and Jordan about that I've been looking into over the past week. Um, it's a relatively new IPO. Try to guess what it is. You're never going to guess what it is. I just know you won't. Um, you can try. But I will tell you at the end of today's episode, I'm kind of I'm kind of excited about it. It's right up our alley. I actually think that Jordan's going to invest in this as soon as I say what it is. Oh, really? Um, pretty confident in that. Huh. Yep. Pretty confident. Well, I see we're um, up to 149 likes. Not. You guys need to be smashing that like button, liking the smash button. I'm uh, pulling up this so that I can keep a better eye on chat. And what were you saying, Jordan? I said if it's big commerce, then probably not. I'm probably out on that one. Jordan, you are not going to guess what it is, and okay. you're going to be excited when I tell you about it. I can guarantee it. I don't know if you're going to buy it. I think you will. But I think you'll get excited enough to research it, even if you don't end up buying it. I don't know if um, I buy it. I feel like shopping today, really. I mean, You do? You do. This is oh, exciting. No, it's, a big, it's a big show. Jordan feels well, like I decided, shopping. I decided, Chris, by the way, I decided not to buy the truck. So now I'm going to take that the money that I was going to do to buy that car, and now I'm going to buy buy some stock, which I think is a better decision long term. Now, I am going to point I, out that the, the very first chat that I see here from Austin Steely, HPQ up over 3% since the show on Thursday. That's the one that you guys were all hyped about that I couldn't get into. Um, by the way, Dave, uh, I bought more. I, I Listen, it's still not a high conviction trade. It's I would still consider it somewhere sitting between low and medium, potentially medium, but probably low to medium. I did buy HPQ options this morning on market open, which did is, you? you know, that's kind of interesting for a low to medium conviction trade. But the premium seemed reasonable and I bought them. So I, I got I got a few hundred call options um, in addition to my equity position on HPQ this week. It's going to be an exciting Thursday. And we have that standalone episode coming out on Thursday as well. Oh, by the way, we're premiering. Are we still going to premiere that new episode? So, show? yes, on the That's original a- channel, right at the end of today's show, we're going to premiere. And hopefully all of you will, will go right over and immediately watch it because it's it's a good one. It, it's what you saw, like, was it last week? It's all about TikTok roller skates. And it's it's a fun episode. <laughs> it, 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 it. You know what? Dave, I've been getting ripped on a little bit for that Zoomies trade in our Discord group. And I get it, guys. Listen, the first thing I told you guys is this is a true low conviction trade for me. So rip on me if you want to rip on me. I get it. Zoomies is not it, – it, It's it, there's a lot of factors playing to Zoomies. And, and very they're able to move very few roller skates um, and even skateboards right now. And there's a lot of negatives on back to school. So I get it. It's not high conviction. It's not medium. It's low conviction. It's a fun trade for me. I want to do it, but uh, I'm glad you're ripping on me. I'm glad you guys feel comfortable enough, finally, to really rip me one in that Discord channel. And, well, we'll just have to see how this all plays out for Zoomies this quarter. And I, I, might, be, I might be wrong on it. I was, trying, uh, I was trying to pull up that HPQ chart earlier, but apparently I didn't have something set right. But here's that chart. And then uh, what's, what's the Zoomies ticker? That's another one that I, I was out on. It's like Z-U-M-Z or something. I oh, don't... there it is. Z-U-M-Z. Zooms. Oh, look Zooms. at that. It did, it did have a little uh, pickup right there, uh, right around yeah. the time that you were talking about it. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's up to you a little bit. By the way, um, you know, doing my daily Twitter research, which is just never-ending, uh, it's really interesting, guys, to see that, like, still, I'm still seeing tweets about jet skis sailing out and boats. I think we got Malibu boat earnings this week. I was kind of contemplating maybe maybe picking up some Malibu boat shares. That's one of the few boat companies I did not buy this summer. But like we have to have reached uh, information dissemination on these boat companies by now, right? Like there's no way 
that people aren't fully seeing the boat trade. So I'm got very resistant to even even play with it. These are just these are dumb trades that I always regret doing later on because I get greedy. Um, that trade was two months ago, three months ago. That those trades are kind of over right now. Um, but hey, by the way, weights. You know, you can't buy neoprene weights anywhere, man. Like, if there was only a publicly traded company oh, that sold neoprene weights. Peloton sold. You get your Peloton bike without the weights right now. They're like, here's your bike. You'll get the weights later when we could figure out how to manufacture them. Because it's One of the YouTubers it, I followed uh, did a vlog where he went to the only shop in his local town in, in Pennsylvania, I think, at Cody Warner. He, uh, and, and he basically was looking for kettlebells, and he found two. So he went and got them. And it's like it's it's in such limited supply, which is the one thing you have going for you in your uh, Peloton trade. There is people need to work out, and they're going to do it at home. <laughs> one, the, the <laughs> one thing I have going for me. <laughs> You're such, We're up to one hundred and eighty-five likes so far. We're keeping an eye on that. I need to get a ticker on the screen, but I have not yet figured out how to do that. So, by the way, Dave uh, and Jordan, I don't know if you kind of looked into this Will Hershey guy, but you know how I normally cannot – I don't want to say this. Like, I like finance guys. I've worked with them for a decade, decade and a half. But there's only so many that I really kind of respect what they have to say because I'm not a big fan of the FinTwit audience for the most part. I, I did a deep dive on this Will guy. He's super cool. I, I yeah, actually – I'm kind of excited to have him on the show. I think he thinks like we think. He he's really smart. He's he's I would consider him kind of the new generation of minds on Wall Street. I like the way he thinks. And he's um, he, these man, ETFs, I, I, they they have a couple of them. They're the uh the Bets ETF is the one for online gambling, casino stocks, uh things like DraftKings and and it's it's global. So they also include uh the ones in the UK and in Australia and and several other countries. But in addition to that, they also have the e-gaming ETF. Like they're they're forward thinking and doing these little sector specific um, ways to invest in kind of an industry as a whole, where you know normally you would you'd have to do all your research and figure out which ones that you wanted. It's 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 the way I like to buy. You know you know how much I love the uh, S and P five hundred ETF. If you want to get into a specific modern tech kind of thing. Whether it's online casinos or e-gaming, this is the place to do it. You know what? This guy, like, I really, I would invest in him. I'd invest in his ETF company because, you know, these ETF companies, they don't know what they're doing half the time. So many of them go out of business, like, immediately. He's just like, keep it simple. Just just throw out stuff that people actually, it's underserved, where that people are actually thinking about and talking about and get it out there. And he's done it with both these ETFs. Oh. I just I love what he's doing. Can't wait to have him on. You guys, this did is a it. big we, subject. We passed the uh, 200 like mark, so we are now technically allowed to move on to online gambling. This is uh, this is exciting. Can we just start? Can we just start before we even talk about anything else? Like, just start with like I do want to overview the whole industry, top to bottom. Like, I want to just call out each of the players and give a little snapshot on them. Yeah. Um, but be- before we even do that, can we just talk about GAN earnings for a moment? Because, you know, I, I sold, well, I had 85,000 shares of GAN. I sold 60, uh, 65,000 of them at around 26, 26 and change. Thank goodness. Uh, uh, then uh, earnings came out. And, yeah, that FanDuel news that we all knew was coming out. In fact, honestly, that news 
was actually out before earnings. Because if yeah. you looked at the deal, it was already kind of out there that FanDuel was doing this other deal that was so obviously booting out GAN because they had chosen another we, provider. Yeah, we that knew was, that they were doing it. We just didn't know the exact date. We didn't know it was going to be the end of the month. But for me, it's kind of like a sigh of relief that that information is now out, even though, boom, it really did uh, kill the stock there. I, I agree. And I think, and we could talk about this a little more during the show, but GAN, the, the thing that people misunderstand about GAN is they're really not a sports a sports engine. Like they do have a sports book, but that's really not what they're known for. It's not what they do. They're more of a back-end systems platform provider that kind of powers that entire engine that connects your rewards program to your online betting program. And then where they re- their wheelhouse really is, is in these online games. And even within online casino games, like Blackjack, just all these just, you know, roulette. Um, that's even there, they're not as robust as they need to be. But that's where they're focusing all their attention, and that's really where they want to grow the most um, because there's a lot less competition there, I think, than on the sportsbook side. So that's really where – and by the way, there's a lot more money there. Actually, if you look at the industry outlook – they mentioned this on the earnings call. I'm glad they did. If you go forward five years, five years plus – it's assumed that most of the revenue and most of the profits, because it's a lot more profitable, right? Well, that's Guys, what they say. Like they the, say the that, that someone thing. who's a sports better, if if they were worth a hundred dollars to the uh, company, a online gaming better is worth seven times that, right? Yeah. And ninety five percent of is, is gamblers are men. Opportunity to sports bet or less opportunity to sports bet. Like games are only on a certain. You're only watching like one game. What's well, it's a, it's a different a demographic. Yeah. Because Jordan, it's it, it's it's just a total it's a total bet and the take right. So it's the handle. It's like the handle and then the take off of it. So the margins are it's better on both sides. They can sit there and play for three. What happens is if they have a good if if they lose their money betting sports, then they're gone. They're wiped out. If they win money betting sports, they move it over to the casino side and they will stay there until that's gone. And if, okay, so like. If you think about the, the layout of a casino, like the, the sports book is this little section in the corner that, you know, is it can be giant with screens and all that. But compared to the amount of real estate they de- dedicate to slot machines where they make all their money in these table games, that's kind of the same online. People will spend all their time pushing the uh, the slot button to maybe get a payout. And they really the sports book is just a way to draw people in, to get people on your app yep. so that they'll stay and play longer. And, uh, you know, whatever whatever they won in the sports bet, they're going to put right back into, this, into the slot machine. And that is something that we actually saw in GAN's, uh, one of their, one of their uh, investor presentations. It's like, we, we bring them in with sports betting and we keep them on table gains. So the fact that they're losing the FanDuel, but they're still doing all of the gaming portion for FanDuel, to me, is still a good thing for them. And think about this, guys. So the sports betting is really transparent, Jordan, right? So, so think about it. sports betting will be so competitive. Everyone's going to be offering sports betting. So you're going to go with the sports bet that is the most competitive, right? You can't just increase your margins on sports betting because there's five, 10 other services. But with casino gambling, it's really tricky to actually understand what the payouts are and all those casino games. So there's a lot of play and a lot of margin that they could build in to the casino gaming because people get really sloppy there. No one's going to go to a sports book and bet on odds that are worse than they can get across the street. And across the street is literally just flipping over apps, right? And no one's going to bet with a higher take on a sports bet when you can get more money from this other vendor, right? So, like, there's really 
I think over time that entire business get com gets commoditized unless people get really creative with it and enter like bring a social gaming aspect to it that is that is differentiated. And I think that's something we should talk about during the show today because I think that's who the real winner will be in the sports side of things. But man, on the other side, Jordan, there's just it's just when people get to the casino gaming, they're just pulling slots, online slots. You know what I'm saying? They're sloppy. They're not even thinking by that point. Um, this blows my mind. I'm not a big gambler, obviously, so it, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around somebody just sitting on their phone and they're like, "Yep, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna gamble on." Uh, but they random numbers sit on their phone anyway, whether <laughs> it's watching people do dances or you know looking at yeah. Instagram pictures. You, you could sit on your phone for hours, and if you have the chance of winning something, people are into it. I mean, I'm not. Hey, how, how, how about watching people play a video game for four hours, man? That's what kids do now. It's ridiculous. How about watching people not invest in the stock market for two hours every, twice a week here on uh, Money Live? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, what we do is like lightning cool compared to watching a video game. <laughs> I know, I know. So what do, do you want to talk, right. talk about the – like my thought here, the whole online gambling industry is making this huge shift into going from this shady side of the internet to being a mainstream thing that more and more states are allowing. It's already happened in a, in a lot of other countries. It's happened in some states here. But if you just look at the raw numbers of how many people are doing this in non-legal ways, moving into a legal realm, like that's that's where I think the big upshot is. What are the numbers, Dave? Well, I, I, we were looking at those articles. Well, um, the, it's, the, it's the article that rate. I could find or that you sent me was from a couple of years ago. So I don't know that it's it's still completely up to date. But it was something like, um, like what was it? There was... I think about half... The estimate is... And by the way, when we talk about industry size, this is the trillion dollar episode, right? We're not talking about market cap. We're not talking about revenue. We're talking about basically the amount of money that's being gambled right so so th this is this is the total amount being bet so which i think globally dave legally is about half a is it about a few years a ago it was a half a trillion 500 billion online dollars now does that include like fantasy um is that that was no that was real money gaming yes okay legally real money gaming is about legally placed globally though and then if you expand it to illegally Instead of a half a trillion, it's one to three trillion. And again, that's several years ago. I would only imagine that that's gotten even bigger. So if just a portion of the three trillion dollars that is being bet illegally moved to a legitimate, safe, secure credit card, you know you're going to get paid if you win. You know, you know, you're not like Chris, legal, legal. Chris, do you legal. remember when we were living in L.A.? that there was some app that we used to bet on like Dallas Cowboy games and we would go to the yeah. one bar in town that would play the games and we would bet on this. And for a brief moment, I actually became a bookie for our friend uh, Jason Utley where I would basically, he was so bad at betting, I would basically take any wager he wanted and take the other side of it and do the same <laughs> like American or European style spread where where my payout was like one5 nine or something I remember that. and i i did so well at just taking just i had one customer and it was him and that was my foray into online betting and i i I've, think i never bet with you a couple times though dave i think i think i was a customer for a brief period of time well, i have a spreadsheet brief. where i think i still uh am owed some money from you so i'm gonna send someone to your house and uh, shake it out of you 
<laughs> no, I I know exactly what you're talking about. It's not a spreadsheet. It's on a notepad. And I did settle that bet with you like no, you 20 did. years ago. So don't even you try. You did. You did. But I, I agree with your hypothesis. And let me just say this. I think it's even bigger than that. So I do think there's about 2 to $3 trillion being gambled illegally globally. That That's kind of the estimate. It could be a little higher than that now. But I don't only think that we're going to get this money moving to legal mobile betting um, because honestly, it's just once you make it legal and so beautiful and easy, it's not just about it being legal. It's about the, the, the experience being just so easy. You would never want to call a random person to make a bookie deal. That's absolutely insane. When you go on your phone and in like three seconds have fun doing it yourself, we'll get, they're going to get all that business. It's just a matter of time. But I also think, guys, that there is a massive amount of new business that does not gamble today illegally, um, that does not gamble legally because there's just no way to do it. But when this becomes ubiquitous and actually social and fun, and I've said this before, I don't know how much bigger the industry is going to get, but it's at least a factor of two or three or four or five, right? So if you have, let's say, two trillion in the world being gambled illegally, I think it could grow theoretically uh, to six or seven or eight trillion. And I think a bulk of that can get captured. So yes, I think this is absolutely very quickly within the next few years, a trillion dollar industry in terms of number of bets. And who knows, at some point down the road, it could eventually be a trillion dollar industry in terms of revenue as well. It doesn't really matter, guys, because we're talking about an industry that's growing massively over the next decade. Do we all agree now, on that? Say, hold on. When you're saying legal and illegal, like it's not illegal to gamble, right? You can gamble anywhere. The only thing illegal is like running a like running an illegal casino and like taking a cut, right? No. So like I can a, I can make a bet with you and it's totally everywhere. legal. Yeah, it is. It's totally legal. You can you can gamble wherever you want. You just can't you can't do a take, yeah. right? So like the take is the illegal part. Well, yeah, uh, but that, trying to run an illegal business. Yes, but that's how it's being done. Is is someone okay. your people aren't gambling between each other? The, the, the very rarely are people just making a. I mean, yeah, people, people do, do that. that for Super Bowl. You have you those mean, box people things, play but poker, they do all sorts of things to to gamble with each other. And that's yeah, not. Yes. Yeah, but the, when it comes to sports betting, dude, like most people aren't looking for a random person to take the other side of their bet. They're actually just placing a bet on what they want to place a bet on. Well, unless they're doing like, uh, like, uh, what's the they're doing? They're doing fantasy or they're like betting on games and stuff like that. I think that stuff happens more than you would think, and I don't know if that's going to go to the. To an online platform, you know, um, where it can oh, be monetized. 1,000% that will go to an online yeah. platform because the ease of use, right? Just think about think about how big of a pain in the butt it is to have to deal with that today yeah. versus if it was just two seconds on your phone doing it, right? It's like, remember the way we used to do fantasy sports where it used to all be manual? I mean, that that's absolutely insane. Now it's completely digitized. And that's a huge part and, of what um, DraftKings does. They are the fantasy engine for places that don't have online uh, wagering allowed and they have wagering where it is um think just for a second think how big words with with friends became it was like the first time like i think i actually played a game on my phone imagine that being a gambling app right there's just so many possibilities of just it, it, this mainstream thing coming out of nowhere where, you you know, you're able to play a game for money. Dave, well, Dave, there are people so putting out games for money that um, because there's an element of skill involved. I think they kind of skirt past that and you can kind of gamble in a skill game. Um, so some of, of those things are already scratching the surface right. today compared to when this becomes legal, fully legalized. 
Um, listen, social real money gaming, I think will be huge, uh, defining what that even means. I don't even think we know yet, but I, I do have a strong thesis on this that I want to share with the community. Um, but before, can we just, can I just go through the list of companies? So I think in order to properly assess this space, and I know that Will's going to talk about some of these companies when he comes on, let me just call out the companies, what they do so that everyone kind of knows, right? And we can, we can discuss which ones we think are our biggest interest to us. Um, so you have Churchill Downs. Everyone kind of knows what Churchill Downs is, right? They're the biggest, you know, they own the biggest racetrack, the Kentucky Derby, right? That, that's Churchill Downs. And they own other racetracks throughout the country. Um, they're kind of old school, okay? Um, they also do own a company called Twin Spires, which is basically online betting, mainly of, of, of uh, horse betting, right? So that's kind of their online division, which is Twin Spires. But that's Churchill Downs. And they're kind of a little bit of a mini monster in the space here in the U.S. because they do have these racetracks, and they that means they have access to what we call skins, uh, which are legalized online casinos in this, those states where they operate, which means that they will become most likely a major player in the online casino space as well, an online sports betting space, because they have the legal right to do so in those states where they have racetracks. Um, a second company, which is really big, we're talking about a global company now, is Flutter. Flutter owns FanDuel, which is like the monster uh, online betting app here in the U.S., uh, they're one of the big big guys. They also own Paddy Power, uh, which is in the UK. They also own Sportsbet in Australia. Um, they are really, really big. Okay, they're like one of the largest kind of global players in this space. Uh, they're really good and sophisticated at what they do because they've been operating in countries where they have legalized online gaming. So they are going to be a force. And I think what's interesting about that company is it's not really appreciated by American investors because it trades on an ADR. Um, it's, you know, we kind of think of them as kind of a foreign, a foreign entity that now, you know, owns FanDuel. But FanDuel is a monster here. So that's something that someone to consider. And obviously, Gan lost the sports piece, just the sports piece of that business. Um, now we have MGM. MGM recently made a decision that they are going to heavily get into uh, online uh, gambling. Uh, and IAC Group, uh, who owns, you know, you know Barry Diller, obviously, they made a major investment in MGM, and they made that investment because they're excited about the online piece. So now they have a really nice strategic investor that understands the online world about as good as anyone does. Um, and they could become a force because they have a monster brand in this world. So we have MGM that's about to enter this world in a really big way. Um, also, I think someone that uh, another name that people don't think about much, that I think is super interesting, is Eldorado Resorts. Now, Eldorado Resorts um, owns both Harrah's and Caesars. Caesars bought Harrah's, then Eldorado Resorts bought Caesars. So I think they have the most actual casinos, I believe, in the entire country of North America. Um, think about all the Harrah's and all the Caesars. Let me tell you something. That reward program is a monster, monster reward program. So they have digital relationships with not millions, but tens of millions of gamblers throughout the United States. And if they can figure out a way to pull off online gaming, they could be a monster as well. Um, of course, after that, we have uh, William Hill. William Hill is like the big online sports book out of the UK. Um, and they have a lot of experience in terms of being, you know, being a sports book. Um, and then we have the ones that I think we'll probably talk about quite a bit on the show. We have uh, DraftKings, which we all know DraftKings, right? They came from the kind of the uh, 
fantasy sports world, uh, and they are a leader in the U.S. when it comes to online gaming because they're online first, right? And, and, and that's a really important thing to understand. I think that's the reason why DraftKings has such a high valuation because the market just assumes that they are going to be an innovator in this space. We have Penn National, which quite honestly – Prior to the Barstool Sports acquisition, which could be the most interesting acquisition in the history of casinos, um, they were kind of a dog, old school company that was really late to the game. Uh, they didn't really have a big online presence. And I, I can't even imagine they would have been left out of all of this without really a way to function um, really with a lot of these new players that, that know what they're doing because they own just a bunch of uh, you know, their land-based casinos for the most part, right? So I think Penn, Penn National, excuse me, casinos and uh, uh, horse racing tracks, excuse me. So uh, the interesting thing about Penn National, of course, is they bought Barstool Sports. That's their future, right? And that's what we're going to talk about on this show. Hey, Chris, this um, seems like a good so time to oh, play and of course, our uh, Would You Gann. Rather. We can't talk about Gann. Why don't you tell? Why don't you guys talk about Gan just for people that don't understand Gan and what their role is in this whole world? Because it's totally different than all the other players I yeah, talked about. We've Very already talked about it a model. little bit, but Gan is basically a back-end software as a service provider that has software for the online casino or the offline casinos to get online. It, they're, they're basically a, a software service, and that's and they take a cut from the winnings, right, or the the losings, I guess. Yeah, the whole idea here is that it'd be insane for everybody to rewrite all the different rules for these gambling games over and over and over and calculate the odds and all those things. So you offload that service, you pay them a monthly fee or you know per user fee, and then uh, you get uh, you get to use their technology. So let me tell you what my GAN trade was. I actually doubled down on GAN after earnings. I bought, uh, I had twenty thousand shares. I doubled my GAN position to forty thousand shares. I would not say that GAN is a high conviction trade right now for me. I would say it's a solid medium conviction trade. And the reason for that is there's still a lot of unpredictability in the space um, with GAN. But I do think there are two big drivers that are coming and they're, neither of them are really factored into earnings this quarter. One, I think people are misunderstanding the FanDuel uh, situation, right? So FanDuel, it was a big loss on the sportsbook side. But they were always going to lose that deal. Everyone knew they were going to lose that deal. Anyone that knew GAN knew that there was no way they were going to hold the sports book over there. In fact, GAN came out and said that they're going to be buying other companies now because they know they're pretty weak uh, in sports book and they need to add new casino gaming as well. So that deal was done, but GAN said on their call that they think the FanDuel business is actually going to grow tremendously over the next few years. Even losing that sports book piece, because the piece that they still have is a much bigger piece of the business, guys, right? So I think the market is really hammering GAN a little too much for that news. Also, Michigan opens up gambling, supposedly in October, guys. And GAN basically said on the call that they are not including Michigan in their estimates for this next quarter, even though they're going to receive revenue yeah. from them, right? Well, that's, so the, like, that's the big thing. I think that, you know, they did miss their earnings. They lost more money than was expected. But that, that number keeps fluctuating what people expect. And the analysts following this, it's a very small thing. They um, beat the uh, revenue number. So to me, they're, on, they're, they're still on the right track. It did get punished too much. I did not double down, but Remember when I was considering selling half, which I should have done yeah. in hindsight? Yeah. I didn't, but I'm I'm still all in on GAN. 
Well, there's another thing, though, Dave, and that's their tier one client, which I said is pretty much arbed out because everyone knows it's coming. Uh, they did not include that include that tier one client revenue, even though they also said that they expect real revenue coming from that tier one client here in the next couple of quarters. So you have two huge drivers in a brand new tier one client and Michigan coming online. And both of those are not included in their estimates. Now, if GAN would have included those in their projections this next quarter, they would have ballooned out of the water in terms of their guidance. And I think the stock would be reacting very differently right now. So because they didn't, stock gets punished at the FanDuel news. Stocks get punished on that. So it's kind of one of these down and out times for GAN. But I think there's a lot of good things that are going to be happening in terms of announcements over the next 60 days. Okay, 60 to 75 days. Michigan's online gantry pop hopefully tier one client online gantry pop hopefully right um also i think what about what about uh, uh, regulatory if we start to see um bills pop across um some of these states to open up gambling i mean it's just there's no reason that they shouldn't if they can get jordan whatever those profits are i don't think that's going to happen this year though i think when you look at the regulatory environment there's nothing really left between now and the end of the year i think because i was looking at each state that they're looking at um, 2021, we could have some positive surprises, um, but long term, Jordan, you're totally right because every time a well, we know that DraftKings is uh, is you know they've got a pretty big lobbying budget and they're they're lo- they're lobbying nationally, which I don't think is the right way to go about it. Um, it's a state by state deal, um, you know, at least the way that we've got things organized right now. Very true. Well, well listen, bottom line is I think. I, I like GAN here. It's not a high conviction trade for me like it was three months ago when I had 85,000 shares of it. Um, now I have 40,000 shares. Um, and listen, I'm in it. I'm in it for the next quarter. We'll see how it goes. GAN is nice. Says GAN makes money if they win or lose. Because it doesn't matter, right? The casinos, no matter how much money they have to spend on marketing to get new customers, GAN still makes their 8 to 10% on the back And that's end. the big and expense for companies like Penn and DraftKings. It is getting people in the door. It's getting people to download. It's getting that, that $100 they give you or whatever it is to download and try the app. That's expensive. And GAN has none of those expenses. They basically have a... But GAN gets to benefit from all these people spending money and trying to get you on your phone gambling, right? Which is great. It's a great place to be. Yeah. And I think think GAN is going to have a lot of exciting announcements over the next couple quarters. I think, listen, it's still, it's, it, there's still risk, but I like the risk reward here at 20 bucks a share, roughly 20 bucks a share for GAN. Um, not that pricing matters. I shouldn't have even <laughs> said the stock price. It's, it's more representative of what the market is expecting from GAN now. So I think expectations have come down some. Uh, we've gotten that FanDuel risk day that we've been worried about all summer off the table, right? So that's done now. Um, I, I really like GAN here. But can we talk about, I think there's a bigger story beyond GAN, because GAN's kind of a behind-the-scenes player. And I think the two stocks that come up most often that people are trying to figure out, well, which one of these do I get into if I want to play part, you know, have a big role in this industry uh, or have a big play in this industry the next five years, DraftKings, right, or Penn National. And that's a big decision to make, and it's a decision that I've thought about quite a bit. So That means it is time to play a little game. 
So let me push this button and say, today on Dumb Money, it's a battle between two gambling stocks. Would you rather invest in Penn National, a traditional offline old school casino and horse track company trying to race their way into online gambling by buying a stake in Barstool Sports or in DraftKings, the online mobile-friendly app-based fantasy sports and online sports book and casino stock? Think about it. You can only pick one. You have to pick one. It's time to play Would You Rather. All right, here's how it works. Uh, we're gonna put these two investments head to head. We're gonna tell you what we think about each and then decide which one we think makes a better investment. We each have to pick one. We don't have to agree between Chris's crazy high risk tolerance, Jordan not wanting to lose a dollar and my pragmatic approach to investing. I don't think we're going to agree on much, but in less than 10 minutes, you're gonna know exactly which of these two stocks we think most deserves our dumb money. It's Penn versus DraftKings. And first up, Jordan, uh, I, I don't even know, which one are you gonna be talking about? today <laughs> oh was i was i supposed to talk about one <laughs> uh, let me talk about DraftKings. the uh the first spec of the year i guess um so very hyped up stock um we all know that they do um what their uh what their name kind of implies they're uh they're a fantasy sports um company first and foremost um they also do online sports book um in states that allow it um and uh you know that's that's what they do. That that that's that's. Dra I'm so happy you took DraftKings, Jordan, because because I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna start by introducing Penn, which is so much sexier. <laughs> How is it that Penn National is sexier to talk about right now than DraftKings, I, I, the incumbent in this online digital space? But why are they sexier? Because Penn National has got Dave Portnoy Barstool Sports. And I'm telling you, man, this is like a one-man show that he could be the billion-dollar man, for all I know, at, for this company at some point over the next decade. Because Barstool Sports and Dave Portnoy, like having him be your arm for digital when you're an old-school company like Penn National, what would they do without Dave Portnoy? What would they do without Barstool Sports? We would not be talking about Penn National right now. I can guarantee no, you that. Other, other than to matter. say that they're burning in the, you know, the, the, there's no sales because nobody was going to their physical locations. They're all about their physical <laughs> locations. And, and it hasn't even launched yet. It hasn't even launched yet. So it's launching. It's launching very soon. The Barstool app's online gaming app, okay? And that's going to be online sportsbook. And you know that from the second that thing launches, all we are going to hear about out of Portnoy's mouth is Penn National, the Barstool app, the Barstool app, every day, day in, day out. He will make it his life's mission to build that into a billion, the multi-billion dollar entity, okay? So I just think here, if you're looking at Penn National, it's all about Barstool, okay? Because Penn National has, I think, more skins than any other casino provider in North America. Now, what that means is these skins are what you need to operate an online casino in a state, right? So if once a state decides that they want to allow online gaming, they basically usually hand these licenses that licenses out to the existing casinos in the state. Those casinos might be Indian casinos. They might be uh, horse tracks. 
uh, if they actually have real gaming in the state, it might be a real casino. So what's interesting is most of those licenses are going to like like racetracks, like like horse racing tracks, and that's what Penn National does. So Penn National has, I think, more skins or more licenses to operate an online casino than any other company in America, which is kind of useless. But now that they have Barstool as this brand. Dude, I mean, could you get a better brand than Barstool? Yeah. Like, no, you to really launch can't. from scratch an online, a dirty online casino? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Barstool has an edge, and it's not a clean edge, right? Like, Barstool is kind of a, it's kind of a party, kind of a controversial, right? A little bit of controversy, a little bit, a little bit risque, but that's really what casino gaming is all about. Even if you don't normally care about Barstool, you don't watch Barstool, if you're going to go to an online gaming platform and you're 23 years old or 20 years old, don't you think you're going to pick Barstool? Well, I, it, I tell you what, you know what I think is really funny about Barstool is that I really never even paid attention to Barstool um, when there were actually sports going on before this whole shutdown happened. But with Portnoy putting himself out there and becoming kind of this big player in the stock market, um, he's kind of reinvigorated that brand even without a bunch of sports, right? And so I think they've got a huge advantage with him. You've got a lot of eyeballs on him. And eyeball sports or in the barstool sports, it's just going to draw those eyeballs into to pen game. Okay, well, Jordan, don't, you know don't tell us who you're going for yet. I think we have a pretty good idea who Chris is. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Do you? I, I, I kind of know, but the way this game is played, we each have to pick a winner, and um, we know what Chris is going to say, but. I've never invested have- in either of these, um, and they actually are both kind of compelling. Pin to me, because they are an established business, they have all these locations, those could not be doing well. We know they're not doing well, but they're they're going to come back at some point, and they have this huge upside potential because they are not online yet, uh, and they do, they basically bought themselves the best cheerleader imaginable, this Portnoy guy. Uh, and it, uh, Barstool is a media brand that whether whether or not like I, I'm not a huge sports fan, but I knew Barstool. Right. And that could bring people who aren't even kind of into sports into be- like if I'm going to watch a game, I'd much rather have money writing on it. But DraftKings also a strong brand. Their users like to gamble so much that they actually drove the stock price up to 13 billion dollars in valuation. That's three times more than Penn. And um, like literally DraftKings revenue compared to Penn's revenue, it's like 300 million for DraftKings and 5 billion for Penn. So really it comes down to, for me, is the future online? Yes. Is Penn and all of their physical locations going to hurt them? Maybe, but they're not online yet and they have all of that runway. So we don't say- Don't make your decision, Dave, yet. Don't make it yet. Let, let, let Do me, you have another let me argument? Throw something out there. Well, well, let me just throw something out there. If you're looking at this space and you're running scenarios, you know that this space is going to get commoditized over the next decade, meaning that every one of these casino providers and sports books oh. are going to be spending more and more marketing to attract people into their online sports Every, book every casino brand casino. you've ever heard of will have an app competing in every market. So when you think about who the winner would be, if you have to pick a winner, I think the winner is going to be the brand that can differentiate itself the most over the next five to 10 years. And what I mean by differentiation is, where is the funnest, most interesting place to go? Who has the most creative way to gamble your money? Who's coming up with the most interesting types of bets and the most interesting ways 
to display those bets and to allow you to bet not just on sports and on casino gaming, but also socially. So who can bring the social element into online sports books and into online casino gaming? It's really about social at the end of the day. And I think that's what the market doesn't understand. So when you're making this pick here, guys, what you have to think of is Barstool with Penn, right? more capable of making the greatest, most social, most differentiated, most interesting online sports book and casino in the world? Or is DraftKings better apt to build that experience? And when I look at what Barstool is doing, you know, even down to their interns, okay? Like there are, like I follow on Twitter, you know, comedy Twitter and lady Twitter. And like there's these even these young people that are trending really hard and I'm following a couple of them and like one of them gets recruited to be an intern at, 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 at Barstool. Yeah. Okay. And I'm like, Barstool is so on top of everything that's trending. They so have their pulse. Okay. On social and on what's hot and, and where, what people care about in that world that I think that they have a better opportunity to make those decisions in terms of this is how we want to frame a sports book in 2022, well, 2023. And that's my point. I didn't even realize that Barstool was a sports brand. I just thought it was an online comedy brand that had the word sport. I didn't really make that connection. So to me, you know, however many 60 million or so people following this brand and, and that has caused pin stock to double. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that my bottom line pick in the uh, Pen versus DraftKings is Pen. Yeah. So I want to say one thing, and that is DraftKings um, has a lot more built out as far as it is their technology is concerned. So if you're looking for short term, where are most of the gambling eyeballs um, for sports? I think DraftKings is going to be able to get those eyeballs a lot quicker. And they until, also do have a beloved um, brand. People like DraftKings. Draft. But what I think the advantage about Penn, and, and Dave, you said that this is a disadvantage. I think that um, blending the online with you know in casino with rewards and things like that, I think that's where Penn can actually have another advantage. Um, because if you're going to gamble somewhere, if you can get like you know a percent back or whatever towards you know, hotel stays or perks at the casino or whatever it happens to be, I think that that, uh, that, that you know, that, that might be an advantage that, that Penn could uh, build into their app as well, that DraftKings actually won't get that advantage. So they're, they're very different plays. But here. DraftKings also has this loyal <laughs> fan base of existing fantasy players. They are really into the sports side. So, I mean, they do have that, but I'm still going with Penn. Let's make it official, Jordan. Would you rather DraftKings or Penn? Man, I don't, I don't like either one of them. <laughs> you have to pick <laughs> one. But if I had to pick to one, pick. I have to pick one. I'm going to go with DraftKings. Ooh. All right. All right. You, you know, when you said that you had one thing to say, I thought you were going to say that I just said Lady Twitter, which I can't believe those words came out of my mouth. Is Lady Twitter even a thing? And if it's not a thing, did I just make no, it No, it's a thing? a thing. I don't know. Is it it's a, a thing? thing? I follow it, too. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I follow men and ladies on Twitter. I don't discriminate. <laughs> Okay, let me just let me just make this really clear. Only one of those two choices between DraftKings and Penn National has Dave Portnoy, Davy Day Trader, right? So I am gonna go with Penn National for no other reason than they have the world's biggest circus, social media circus, okay? Media man, I like 
borderline the if there was a if there was a young if there was a Howard Stern of this generation, it just might be David Portnoy. I don't know. I don't want to give him that much credit <laughs> yet. But, no, but he is listen, a larger than life I, personality I, that does add value to the he's brand. Controversial. He just interviewed the president, which I think is ridiculous, <laughs> but he did it. Okay, so he interviewed the president. Now, he's controversial. I don't care. I'm going with Penn National because they have the media hype. And in 2020, when you're investing, you need to have the hype, okay? You need that hype machine. You need it behind you. Look at Nikola. Look at Tesla. They are the Nikola of online sports betting, granted, let's hope they're the Tesla, not the Nikola <laughs> long term, okay? But they're both wrapped into one for online sports betting. I'm going with Penn National. That's my So pick. in the battle between Penn and DraftKings, our final results, Chris is going with Penn, Jordan is going with DraftKings, and I am going with Penn. But what about you? Which one would you rather? Let us know in the comments. Or if you're watching the live chat, let us know in the live chat. And if you're just joining us, this is Dump Money Live. Coming up, our disaster trades, national disasters in California, the dual hurricanes, the Iowa storm. We have a stock that you're not going to want to miss. That's coming up. The chat is open, you guys. And uh, we are going to be getting our special guest to continue this conversation about online gambling. It's, it's a guy who probably knows more about online gambling and online gambling stocks than any of them because he invented the ETF that tracks the online betting industry, B-E-T-Z, bets. So let me, I'm just going to chat him up real quick and uh, we'll, we'll get him on. And you guys can chat amongst yourselves. Uh, you know, Jordan, do you remember we're, we're, before Will comes on, he obviously is an ETF. He's not an ETF guy, but he's figured out a way to make ETFs cool. Um, we, I mean, we were, how close were we to having our own ETF? With one of the world's biggest ETF companies, right? Very, very, very close. Yeah, um, it would have been, been super interesting. It's too bad that that didn't work out. Um, what I thought was funny about that whole experience, without you know giving anything away, is that kind of our expectations were the opposite of what uh, of how it actually played out in that in that. Uh, what, in that what do you mean? Or, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Because I feel like we thought that uh, you know people talking about things a certain way would lead um, to certain uh, upside in the stock, but it turned out to be the opposite. Oh, y yes. Oh, oh, you mean the analysis that we did? Yeah. Yeah. So so we had done, just to kind of fill you guys in, um, obviously with our old company, we were doing all types of social analysis and working with uh, one of the largest ETF players in the world to figure out an ETF that would basically leverage social signal, right? Social signal in an ETF. And I wanted to do so much. Like, they were just like, calm down. We're just going to start with a very simple ETF. But I, honestly, still today, I think there could be the coolest ETF based on our old social signal. But we were, I think, Jordan, we weren't years ahead. We were like probably 15 to 20 years ahead of the ETF space a few years ago. And we're still probably 10 to 15 years ahead today. So I think at some point in time, that ETF that we were we had kind of thought about will actually happen, but not for a while. That just oh. the ETF space is not there's not there. Dave, you trying to get Will in? Oh, here he is. Just just one here second. I, I have to uh, I have to do one more thing before he's actually on the show. Cool. Because uh, these windows like to resize oh. themselves. Hold hold on, guys. Uh, we we got Will coming on in just one moment. By the way, how many of y'all that are watching? have invested actually in 
one of Will's two ETFs, there either Bets or Nerd. And I, by the way, we're going to have him on another. You're going to have you on another day to talk about Nerd because that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other topic, us, exactly. Esports, guys. Esports, not e-gaming. You're going to get. Oh, you're gonna get in trouble with me. I'm sorry. You're gonna get in I'm <laughs> I, I'm, I will write that down and remember it. Is, is that like a universal thing? Like like e-sports? Like is, a, is they get offended when oh, you say yeah. e-gaming? Oh, yeah. Like if you go on Twitter and start talking about e-gaming, the, the groupies will come out right after you. Like well, these guys actually have e-gaming yeah, is, got sports teams, right? Well, and e-gaming is kind they, of like an i-gaming, which is online betting, right? Online, online like gambling games. Correct. iGaming is like online slots, online poker, which is actually maybe even a better business than online sports betting. And we can talk about that in a second. But That's e-gaming... what we said. <laughs> Uh-oh. Okay. Um, but no, e-gaming is like, it, 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 there's no meaning. Like, I, I, it's, you're going to sound like a boomer if you throw out e-gaming because <laughs> it's, like, it's like, what are you talking about? Well, let's let's start at the beginning. Can you talk to us about like what even gave you the idea of starting ETFs in these very focused niches of of e sports and i gaming? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I actually right out of undergrad worked for a boutique ETF issuer. So most people think ETFs, they think iShares, they think Vanguard, and they think that's kind of it. Um, there's probably about a hundred ETF issuers. And I got into that right out of, right out of school. This is 2011, 12 timeframe, but really got to appreciate the ETF business model and the structure and kind of the benefits of it. Um, fast forward, got together with my now partner, Tim and said, Hey, look, like the ETF structure is really great, but I think there's room to do innovative, differentiated products going after sectors that younger people care about, they want to invest in, they believe in the companies, kind of this Peter Lynchian style of investing, but in an ETF wrapper, right? Like, I think at, at its core, really, what we're trying to do is people should invest in what really what they know and what they believe in and what they think is, is going to be the future, these kind of secular growth trends. But I'm personally of the opinion, we're of the opinion that most people probably shouldn't be picking individual stocks. Instead, let's put together these baskets, ETFs that trade on the New York Stock Exchange for people to kind of make those bets, if you will. No pun intended. And how do you decide what's going to be in that? And you basically created your own index, right? And so how do you decide and how do you wait? How does how does that how do you pick better than I could? Uh, Well, I'm not saying I'm not saying we do. But um, for our methodology, really, what we're trying to do with our funds is provide pure play exposure. We're not trying to pick necessarily winners and losers, actually, believe it or not. Instead, our methodology, we screen public filings for keywords, and that kind of is our framework, right? So we're screening for, for bets, we're screening, screening for sports betting, iGaming, sportsbook, different keywords that let us know, hey, this company is really involved uh, in this sector. And what I think we do, which is a, pretty different from everyone else in, in the ETF industry, typically what people do is they market cap weight, right? So they say, let's use an esports example. Uh, Amazon owns Twitch, uh, so it's in our esports ETF, and let's just give it like the biggest weighting. We think that like if, if you do that, are you really giving people the beta, kind of the exposure that they want? We don't think so. 
So we actually are, are kind of doing a little bit of our own work on top and saying, hey, this is a pure play company. This is a kind of a core part of their business, but not quite there. And then non-core. And we actually weight it. Provided we have liquidity, we weight it based on those different factors to try and come up with a product that's like, really our goal is for the sports betting and iGaming product, if that sector does well, we want companies that, that perform well, not that have an ancillary small tie to the sector. Well, so you, you have like a proprietary weighting system? That is proprietary, yeah. yeah. Will, would you ever consider adding um, uh, pr any private entities to the portfolio or are you strictly uh, publicly traded liquid companies? So it's funny you, you mentioned that. Um, recent changes in the ETF rule actually allow for you to have some, some private in there. But if you think about the mechanism of an ETF, we have market makers that are making a bid and offer for our ETFs continually throughout the day. If you had a private component in there, they lose their ability to hedge. And all this stuff goes on behind the scenes, but really the market makers are taking the other side of the trade when they're selling the ETF. So if you had private in there, it kind of limits that, but um, not something we're looking at right this second, but it's an interesting concept, right? I mean, more companies are staying private longer than ever. We have unicorns, a lot of things that people want to want to invest in. We're looking into that, but typically it hasn't fit with the ETF structure because it's all about liquidity. So, so Will, I want to go over our thesis on the space. I just want to get your reaction and opinion. And first of all, something you said earlier is what we spent the first part of the show talking about, and that a, a lot of people don't really understand that most of the money in online casino betting is actually on the casino side, not on the sportsbook side. One, because of their ability to control margins, where you can't really control margins on the sportsbook side. Sportsbook side is likely to get extremely competitive over time, and those margins are going to get brought down even more, where you have more wiggle room with all the online games that you put in to kind of control how much margin you have there. So there's a lot of reasons why the online casino gaming, while not as interesting from an investor standpoint, because everyone's talking about sportsbooks, we think that's where the bigger play is. But regardless of which side, um, we think over the next decade, this industry is going to become very large, very competitive. Uh, the marketing costs are going to run up for all the companies in the space. And we think the ultimate winner is the one that's able to differentiate their product, uh, potentially bring their product, attach it to social, really offer a differentiated brand, a differentiated experience, differentiated type of gaming that is sticky and unique from the other players in the space. That's our thesis. So I'd like to ask you, do you agree with that thesis? And if so, which of the companies in this space, I know you think about this quite a bit, you think have the, the, the most likely ability to be differentiated over time based on their DNA um, yep. or based on their, their standing in the industry? No, well, it's interesting. I mean, touching on the first part, I think, I mean, even DraftKings would agree with your statement there, right? Like if you pull up their deck from the SPAC transaction, they highlight iGaming as a potentially bigger long-term opportunity. Tillman Fertitta was on CNBC last week. He said, a sports better is worth a hundred bucks to me. An online casino player is worth 700. And I think that you, you touched on it exactly. I mean, you hit it on the head. The margins are much better in online casino. And I think the the only thing to kind of keep note of there is so much of this right now in terms of who's going to be the winners in the in the short and intermediate term is like where do you have licenses where can you actually get set up because iGaming is only is only legal online casino is only legal in a handful of states mobile sports betting and a handful more in-person sports betting and even more and it's going to be interesting to see how that that shakes out and that's going to that those are going to be catalysts i think for the industry when you can when you see those different uh, regulated markets start to open up. But no, I mean, like you're bringing up a really interesting concept, which is like, what's this next 
layer of engagement. And the reason why we're so interested in the space is I think when you look at younger generations, whether it's you know people watching this this on YouTube and commenting, it's all about increased forms of engagement with different mediums. And sports betting is, is just that, right? Like, I don't know if, uh, if a 22-year-old wants to sit down and watch a whole Major League Baseball game, but if you throw betting and maybe even live betting on top, which I think live betting is really kind of an interesting area as well, you're, you're really getting into this concept of younger people want to be more involved. They want to be, they want to have agency. They want to feel like they're part of the game. And I think betting does that. I think esports does that too, but that's maybe for another day. Um, but I think when you're talking about these kind of social elements, and part of this is probably baked into DraftKings, if we're being honest, right? It, 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 the valuation says there's something more going on. Right now, it's all about customer acquisition. It's all about how do I get the top of funnel in place? And I, I think you look at Penn's acquisition of Barstool. I personally think it's one of the best acquisitions in any sector ever. Like, where would Penn stock be, for lack of a better you know, way of looking at it, where would Penn stock be if they hadn't bought Barstool? And what's the what's the value of Barstool to that company? They bought 30 some odd percent for 100 and something million. Why? Ridiculous. <laughs> because it's it's such a steal. Like I, I'm, I'm, I, I kind of like shake my head when it's like, how did they get that? But really, it's let's own the top of funnel. Uh, and I think you have to put them uh, just for that, just for the Barstool relationship, you have to put them in that conversation of who can own social, right? Because if there's anyone that can do it, it's the guys at the guys at Barstool. Um, and, and then you have to go to the, the the players who own the market, right? So so FanDuel is actually even bigger than DraftKings in the U.S. betting market right now. Uh, then you have DraftKings, William Hill, points bet. I mean, there's a lot of different um, players, but it's so early, right? Like now, it's all about just like where can you get your licenses in place and potentially be first to market. Yeah, but but do you th which of those brand DNAs do you think is the most capable of delivering? Whether it's live betting, social betting, like to actually change it up and to have a differentiated product uh, and continue to differentiate their product right over the coming years in a market that's going to become somewhat ubiquitous when there's so many players and so much money over time, right? We know that yep. right now the gambling restrictions are set in place. But if you have to think long term because the market's forward looking, if we move three, four years down the road when the market is thinking 10 years down the road, right? Yep. Like who are the players that they're like, wow, this is this is the Tesla of online gaming, right? Who can that be? Who who is willing to make the bold moves and has the talent and the DNA to make that happen? Is it DraftKings? Is it Barstool for Penn National? Uh, is it FanDuel? Who do you think that is? Well, I think first of all, I think the market looks about a hundred years ahead now. Uh, Ten years, <laughs> we look a hundred now. Interest rates are at zero. Come on. Um, I think you've got to. I think you've got to say it's DraftKings in that case. I mean. You look at the kind of land-based guys who are trying to get involved. It's their their DNA is, is different. I, I think it's going to be one of the companies who are built as these tech-first platforms, right? Really, they're software companies at the end of the day. Um, and I think DraftKings is probably the best position, but I could see FanDuel doing it as well. Personally, I'm a FanDuel user myself. Um, I only get DFS in New York State, which I hope changes really soon. But I, if I had to put my money on who wins that battle of, of like pie in the sky, like who knows what the, the potential is here, I think it's DraftKings. I think that would be my bet. All right. All right. That's cool. So in the game of Would You Rather, we got right, an guys. expert opinion. If you guys have any questions in the uh, yeah. in the chat, we can also uh, we, we can ask those as yeah. well. And this is interesting. I didn't I didn't realize this. DraftKings lets you bet on 
esports. That's that's a that's they a do. merging of of both of your worlds. <laughs> it it is. I mean, and and you know, it's it's so fascinating because betters are going to bet. And what we saw over the past you know last quarter when traditional sports were shut down was they were betting on esports. And they were also betting on simulated games where there weren't actually even professional video game players playing, but just like Madden Sim, <laughs> which is, I don't, that's, that might be a little bit too far. Like maybe you don't need a bet for a day. Um, but at that and, and uh, Eastern European table tennis, like, like who, who knew, but betters will find a way. Like, well, um, well, that's not a sport that could ever have a fix in it once gambling starts. <laughs> Eastern European <laughs> Well, neither could uh, well, the computer playing itself. I mean, you just program the game right, and you know exactly who's going to win. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, but uh, that, that brings up an interesting company, which there's rumors of them going public via SPAC, which is Sport Radar. So part of what they do is kind of on the betting integrity side. Their core business is really data and analytics. Um, but they also look into, you know, these issues pop up in the WNBA or in lacrosse or the kind of these second and tertiary uh, sports where you're absolutely right. Like fixing is a is a concern for the industry. No question about it. Um, I'd love to get your opinion on GAN. It's, a, it's you know, a bit of a controversial, you know, controversial stock. I think people misunderstand it. And, and it's hard to get a read on right um and it's so new to the new to the investment community um it's a stock that we've invested in you know pretty soon after their ipo what are your what are your thoughts on gan their place they're obviously a little bit different from the other players and that they work just the back end they have their competitors as well i do think the market misunderstood the the fan duel loss not realizing that it was something that was always going to happen and it was just the sports side do you think they'll be able to hold on to the other piece of fan duel it certainly sounded like it from the conference call, but what do you think, knowing the industry sector? Yeah, well, also, GAN was listed in London. And, and you know, GAN, GAN is a company that a lot of people are familiar with outside the U.S., well beyond the IPO. And it actually had a nice run-up leading into the, the switch of the listing in the U.S., which I think brings up a totally different conversation, which is there's this amazing valuation arbitrage that I think a lot of companies that are listed in Europe, listed in the U.K., need to take advantage of, which is, list your company in the US, you're getting instant, you know, multiple expansion overnight. But in, ter- in terms of GAN, I think that, you know, they even listed list uh, move, uh, move, FanDuel moving away for the sports book uh, in their risk factors in the IPO. So this was very much so kind of something that they were aware of. But it's a headline, right? Like people, yeah. any company that's kind of a back end B2B company, forget about what sector you're in. If you lose a marquee client, the market reacts and it reacts in a pretty significant way. But then again, you know, FanDuel Sportsbook was only five to 10%, I think, of their revenues last year. I think it was like $3 million, something like that. If they can keep the iGaming business, you know, we talked about it just a minute ago, iGaming is probably the longer term potential. But it brings up, I think what the market's saying right now is it brings up like this concept of, of companies insourcing, right? DraftKings did it via purchasing SB Tech, but if companies can do this stuff in-house, where does GAN sit in terms of kind of their value proposition, I think is maybe what the market's saying. But I think for the mid, for kind of the mid-tier type providers, they don't have the bandwidth to bring that kind of software in-house. Um, but I, you know, I think, I think the picks and shovels way of playing the, the sector through a GAN or through a Cambi, I don't know if any listeners can actually mm-hmm. invest overseas, but Cambi is a fascinating company. Um, it's, it's just like, it, it's, a, it's a nice way of playing it where we talked about it. We don't know who the winner is going to be in 10, 20 years. 
um, that's the bet you're making if you're buying a DraftKings versus a Flutter. But maybe own the back end as a way to do it. And you're also talking about really what looks like a, a SaaS business. The market loves SaaS yeah. right now. And I think what people uh, really also misunderstand about a GAN or even a Canby is that that back end isn't just mechanical in this world. The back end in this world is also marketing, conversion, right, engagement. And GAN's been doing this for a long, long time now. There's, it's really risky to, to kind of go to an in-house system from a GAN when GAN has years and every year that they continue to do this, years of practice with engagement levels and stickiness with what they do for your gaming system. And I think that is just a huge risk. Yes, they're taking 8 9% right off the cut. But they could be adding more value, theoretically, than they're even pulling away. So the thought of having a company doing all of that for you and you could just focus on your front end, right, focus on your brand, um, is, I think, really compelling. I don't know how it's going to all shake out over the next few years. I think there is a potential scenario where GAN gets so good at doing this that they can go to a provider and say, hey, you're converting at this percentage. Our games convert at this percentage, right? Yeah. Um, we'll actually make you more money even after our fee. I think that's the goal for again, whether they can actually execute on that goal is to be determined. But it, I think once you start really looking into the operations, the mechanics of how they how these companies come together and integrate, it's a lot more complex than just, hey, we're allowing you to facilitate transactions. And I also think, like generally speaking, there are a lot of people who are new to the market right now that think that think like Portnoy says, stock, stocks only. I almost said stocks. Stop. Stocks only go up, and they only go up five percent a day. Gans back to where it was like literally two weeks ago. I haven't looked at the chart today, but like two weeks ago, like and and, and where did IPO in the in, in like in the mid teens? I want to say yep. I don't know. Like it's it, this is a long term. We're in the, we're in once again another pond. We're in the first inning of this rollout in the U.S. Um, in particular, like, I think you have to take a longer term view with a company like that and, and see how give it a couple of quarters. And if they continue to lose clients, then you get worried. But for right now, I mean, I, it was something they, they pretty much I, what I what I will say I didn't love is the way that they put it in the press release, like towards the very, very bottom, like that, I, that I think they could have done a little bit better in terms of messaging, but you can't think yeah. a company for that. Yeah, they, yeah, they're 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 definitely promoters, but who isn't in 2020, right? Um, we have a, we have a question from Jenks, uh, one of our community members. Love to get Will's thoughts on Flutter just mentioned and where they go next with the UK experience, where betting is mainstream, combined with popular online brands like FanDuel and PokerStars. Any thoughts on them specifically? Yeah, I mean, I think um, when you look at this is once again the valuation arbitrage. When you look at Flutter that trades that call it 20, 30 if you want to go crazy, 40 times earnings versus DraftKings, which is trading at that multiple on, on revenues right now. To me, what I think Flutter should do is they should list in the, in the U.S. Like that to, that to me is a no brainer. But I think what Flutter's model has been um, over the past several years has been to roll up existing assets rather than try and build on their own. Right. They acquired FanDuel. They acquired PokerStars. I think that's going to continue. That's just the way their management operates is, is kind of build rather, excuse me, buy rather than build. Um, so I could see them look to can try and consolidate more, especially when you kind of have, um, you know, over the next kind of call it 12, 24, 36 months, you start to see the winners and losers. Maybe they're mid-tier players that it makes sense for them to acquire and gain market share. I would also wouldn't be surprised. And we've started to see FanDuel do a little bit of this, right? I think they signed uh, Pat McAfee, was it? 
Um, if they try and do kind of a splashy barstool-like acquisition, because you look at what that's done for Penn's stock and kind of their equity currency, but also like the brand awareness that's built, I wouldn't be surprised if they went after a media player to try and build that top of funnel in the U.S. But, th- you know, they have an established business in, in, in the U.K. and in Europe. Uh, everything's about the U.S. market now. Very cool. You know, uh, we have a question. We were talking about this before you came on. You know, me and Jordan almost uh, had a big ETF uh, deal with one of the big providers. It was a social ETF. And you've done just a great job in this space of nailing kind of what investors want, where there's a hole to be filled. What's another industry sector, or unless you want to hold it close to the vest because you're working on it, I'm sure, where you think ETFs uh, could emerge in the future? Yeah, and and if anyone that's that's listening or watching wants to like shoot an ETF idea our way, we're going to continue to roll out more products. So we want what we want to do is you're exactly right. We want to launch products that we think there's unmet demand for. We're not going to launch another large cap growth ETF or S and P 500 ETF, one basis point cheaper than the <laughs> other guy. Like we're not going to win that game, and we don't want to do it. Um, but I think we're always looking at where are there kind of these secular growth trends that have tailwinds right now and people are interested in the underlying companies, but maybe can't get exposure to the ones overseas. Like I think Beth is a great example. Some of these yes. really interesting companies are the non-US ones. Um, a couple we've we've talked about, I'll throw it out there because we're not going to launch it now. It's crazy to run up these stocks I've had is, is electric vehicles. Um, yeah. Like I, I, I think we're going to balance where we think their demand is with also being a, a good product. And, and personally, I look at some of those and it's like, oof, maybe if we could have done it like, 300 percent ago oh, oh wait do you not do, are you are you not a fan of our favorite new ceo of nick nicola i mean you've got i got to get your opinion on him because i think you, you've had some tweets uh is he maybe um, the oddest um i don't i don't know what the right word is for this but like have you ever seen in your uh, investment career i would say the word CEO? fraudster P.T. Barnum? No, no, you can't say that. You can't say that. You can't say that. I will not. I'll say it. Thought, we're not saying that. We're not saying that. Was that, was that for Chris? Um, but but what, what's the word? I mean, do you have a word for him? Was it, is it Tre- what I forget his name. Trevor Milton. Trevor, Trevor Milton. Right? Trevor, Trevor Nicola. Nicola. Tre- Nicholas Trevor Milton. <laughs> Give us your thoughts uh, on Trevor Milton. What do you think? The I real mean, deal? I got to be careful because I, I don't want to, like, bash anyone. But... Yeah. I think all I'll say is like when you see a CEO of a like this is not a this is not a micro cap penny stock that's trying to pump up their stock right like this is like the big the big leagues and I don't know something to me like scares me rubs me the wrong way whatever you want to call it it's like there's too <laughs> much focus on the only thing being the share price yeah where like dude get off twitter would be my only advice to him just like don't go on twitter you're not elon musk no one thinks you're elon musk just focus on building cars or whatever it is you do i, I don't even really know but i know it's like <laughs> at the point they are in a company they need to have their heads down developing product like trying to figure out how do they deliver on the truck on the big rig the whole bit right but the yeah, really everything they're doing a great job of no, photoshop i mean they're basically a photoshop no, company they've... that's that's all that's but they've raised the money in. right so they've got a bunch of cash in the bank they've got the ideas they should be making the product now stock the scary thing the really scary thing in 2020 is like there's the possibility for the stock to stay elevated they never make a single car and insiders can sell 
stock, right? Like to me, that's where you get, you know, that that's what you never want to have. And this isn't new, right? Like the con and I won't, I'm not saying this is Nicola full disclosure, not saying it, but the concept of pump and dump isn't new, but I don't think we've ever seen like, I, I don't think we've ever seen it on this kind of scale. And so like in your face, where there, you know, there's no kind of, there's no backing away from like kind of what's going on here. Now that said, I do hope that the company is really working on product and they do and investors don't get burned, but it's something to me says like maybe proceed with caution is what I would say. I think that is good advice. Uh, I want to combine <laughs> question from two different people, Toyota and also uh, Rand. Um, do you think any, like back to back to sports and, and online uh, gambling, do you think any of the, uh, the big players like a Facebook or a Google would ever get involved or the uh, payment systems like Venmo or Cash App? Like it, it just seems like they already have such a huge reach that flipping the switch and becoming a platform for, for you know, payment based gaming would be uh, something they could do. No, I, I mean, I think I think it's it's certainly a possibility. Um, but once again, what you come come to in terms of, you know, online betting is a very, very regulated market. And I think if you're a Facebook or a Google, is it really worth your time to deal with all of that regulation, all of that red tape for what's, you know, a, a few billion potentially longer term in EBITDA? I don't know if that math works for someone like them. Um, I could see the, the the latter companies you mentioned, right? Like a Venmo or or a Square getting involved. Um, in in certain other jurisdictions, um, like in Russia, for example, everything is done through kind of a, a Venmo type processor. So Kiwi is one of the companies in the portfolio. A lot of their revenue comes from sports betting. But I, you know, to me, it's like the I think the reason that well, actually. What I would really say is I think Facebook and Google, they want to be ESG friendly is another thing I, I would highlight. Like, I, I think probably the reason that no one had launched this ETF before us is it, it certainly doesn't fit that bill of being ESG. Um, so I don't know if they, I don't know if they'd want to do it. They need to really I think they're going to be late to the game if they do. And it's at that time um, kind of just makes sense, the math there. But to me, the regulatory environments like you, you don't want to get involved unless that's your core business. I think. And, and Will off, off? Oh, sorry, sorry, Dave. I was just say uh, off topic. Do you? I saw that you were working on uh, some type of Robinhood track replacement. Is that something that you're, you're working on personally? And can you tell us anything about that? Like, I saw you tweet something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so we're calling it Stonks. Um, Stonks. That's awesome. Because because <laughs> why not? Um, but it, it's going to have Robin Robin track like functionality. Uh, but really, the core concept of it is. Everyone nowadays is talking about their investment account on Twitter, on Reddit, on all these third party platforms, but there's no real way to say like, hey, this guy actually knows his shit or actually owns Tesla when he's saying it's the best stock ever. Um, we think there's room to kind of create this platform where you link your existing brokerage account and have a community based around who holds what, uh, what have my returns been, kind of being that third party uh, app that sits on top of your existing brokerage. We don't want to. We don't want to compete with Robinhood. Um, but is that kind of place where people come to to gather and discuss what's going on? I um. There was a company that did exactly that, but they were a little early. I think they've since gone away. But the timing wasn't right. I think the timing is right today for that app. Um, that would be very cool, and we we'd love to have it here. For we'll sure. We'll get you on. Wait, do you got before before we we go anywhere? Do you guys have any ETFs you want to see made a reality? 
because you're talking to the, the right person. <laughs> you know, <laughs> first of all, the one that you mentioned um, is the most interesting to me, I think, because there are, so, you know, we're social arbitrators and we look to identify change early. Uh, and when we identify that change and we surface that change, we essentially connect it back to investable opportunities. Sometimes those opportunities are in securities that trade on a U.S. exchange. Sometimes they're in securities that trade on a foreign exchange, and sometimes they're in startups or pre-IPO companies. It really doesn't matter what they are. Um, we then chase that investment. And often when they are small companies that trade on foreign exchange, you know, we can pull it off. Like we have global accounts, but, you know, we're transferring money into like foreign currencies. And it's just yeah. it's a, such a pain in the butt, quite honestly. I'll tell you, there was one investment. We talked about it was like, uh, remember the roller skating investment in I don't know where it was out of. But it's like a tiny company that makes uh, street apparel uh, in Australia. And they happen to own like the one roller skating company that can't keep anything in stock right now because of the roller skating huh. TikTok trend. But it's such a small company. I think it had a $38 million market cap. <laughs> and the roller skating division was probably a million bucks of that. Well, it's basically doubled over the last month, right? Month and a half. But the thought of trying to invest in that company in Australia was like so mind-numbing to me. I just didn't do it, right? Um, but I like the concept of you know there being an ETF that's aggregating a lot of that stuff for you, um, where you think there's arbitrage. I know your type of arbitrage is a little different than the type we're thinking of, but I think it's interesting because it makes something accessible that isn't normally accessible, right, yep. to investors here in the U.S. Well, I was going to say social arb. That's I'm I'm not familiar with that term, but I dig it. That that is uh, social arb is dumb money. That's uh, we've been doing it for gosh, I don't know. Yeah, 14, and I don't know about the mechanics years. of ETFs, but like with the rotation that you would have in some sort of social arb ETF, would that be difficult to pull off? No, I mean nowadays, look, you can launch active ETFs where you pick the stocks. Um, yep. You don't need rules based. Look at Kathy Wood and Ark and how well they've done. Uh, as stock pickers and ETF wrappers. So no, you can you can do it. You can rebalance once a week if you want, um, or even more, like trade trade intraday. But uh, no, social arb, dumb money. That trade's been beating every single professional investor for the past ten years, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 quite a bit. I think we're you know I don't know what the exact uh, returns are right now, but I think roughly eighty percent annualized returns for fourteen years, um, which oh, is just wow. it's hard. It's hard when you, to even think about that as being the truth, but it is. Um, can we continue it? That's the big question. Uh, the accounts obviously get larger and larger, and as they get larger, it, it you know some of these trades get a little bit tougher. But yeah, I mean, listen, who knows? There might be a uh, collab here between <laughs> Will and Dumb Money at some point. You, I, I did I, check. I, know, I did I know just check, audience... and the uh, the ticker symbol Dumb D U M B is available. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> That feels very 2020 to me, right? I'm in. If we we can meet in the middle and do meme as the ticker, then (laughs) I think I could do it. Dumb, dumb, we might might have too negative a conversation. Oh, man. Should I email the exchange right now and reserve it? You should. You should. (laughs) For sure. Hey, Will, thank you so much for stopping by Dumb Money Live. We really appreciate it. And uh, we hope to have you back. We we definitely are going to do an eSports episode in the near future. So uh, we definitely want to get your insight there. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. Love what you're doing. That's awesome. All right. Will Hershey, CEO and... uh, 
co-founder of the, uh, the the firm that manages bets and nerd. That's the esports one. Very very cool. So good to have him. <laughs> let's uh, let's open up the uh, live chat again. I, I'm not very good at remembering oh, okay. to cycle this little uh, ticker here at the bottom. Uh, we totally missed the pin versus DraftKings segment. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get better at that though. All right, it looks like we've got we've actually got really good uh, we've got good reception on our dumb ETF right now. Well, um, people, <laughs> yeah. people are into our, it. Our chat would love to be able to just uh, invest in dumb. <laughs> what is that saying about our our viewers? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Oh, no, that's awesome. I kind of like it though. Uh, all right, guys. Do it, do it. Um, anyone have anything they want to talk about before we get on to what I am looking forward to, which is our, not only our disaster trade, after the disaster trade, if that doesn't excite you, I will disclose my newest brand new investment that I made just literally yeah, this one morning. One that you haven't even right told me about yet. So, um, Wait, are we doing that right now? Are we doing that after no, the disaster? No, I'm going I'm to save that for the very end. Um, as a last little, you know, what did Steve Jobs used to say? One more thing. One more thing. One more thing. Um, Okay, so just to give you a little uh, time check, it's almost uh, 30 after, so we definitely want to be done by 1 o'clock Central so that we can premiere our uh, new video on the old channel. So that's all TikTok roller skates. That's exciting. So... um, Rice Cowboy, I gotta, I gotta just say that Rice Cowboy, we will talk about the hurricanes. It's actually a small part of the next segment. So hold on, hurricane talk is coming, but we have something even way more exciting than hurricane talk. What I mean, what's it called, Dave? What's the land hurricane? Oh, it's the. <laughs> How about a hurricane that is the choice? 70 miles wide, Cat 2 hurricane over land that lasts for almost an hour? Okay, can you. That is insane. I've, I've never, I, you know, I've never, um, I mean, I, I think I've, I've heard the term, but I've never, like, experienced one that has actually happened. I'm sure they have, though, or they wouldn't have given it a name. What's it called? A Detroit term? What is it called, Dave? What, what is the term it's called? It's a derecho. Derecho. I actually Googled how to pronounce it, too. Derecho. It's the, 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 the accent is on the middle syllable there. Derecho. You got tornadoes, typhoons, earthquakes, hurricanes. None of them, none of them compare to the derecho. And let's just get let's right get into, into it. Let's the talk about trade. the derecho. Let's talk about wildfires, okay? Derechos, hurricanes, blackouts. Is this where, is what this is all where this? you sent me all these tweets that we're going to look at, Chris? Yes. Oh, yes. By the way, we've got the most named um, storms, um, tropical storms, so far like ever um like at this point we've got the most ever named storms to this point and two are just right on their way to the gulf it's like uh one looks like as of this morning what al roker told me it looks like it's going to curve and follow the coastline more towards houston and not have a direct hit but then the one behind it could be more of a direct hit so yeah, we got, did, did, you know, we were trying to figure out, do we call it, is, it, is this segment about earthquakes, about fires, derechos, like, you know what, this is just it's a disaster disasters. trade, that's what it is. This is the ultimate disaster trade, because it's about, like, the perfect storm of disasters all colliding, like, it's kind of sick what's going well, on right now some, in this you know, country. This is not the one we're, um, we're saying for this, but talk about some of our, like, disaster trades in the past, with Earthquakes, we have insurance companies. With uh, hurricanes, we have roofing. Uh, 
and top flooring companies and things like that. This is this is completely different because there's one thing whether it's heat in California or a, not rain but just a derecho just plowing through the Midwest or <laughs> double hurricanes coming up the the Gulf. This is this is a stock that affects all of them. It, it, you're right, Dave. It, it really is a stock that affects or is all affected by of all the of above. Them. By the way. You didn't mention wildfires on the West Coast or tropical storms that knocked out power to a big part of the Northeast, Dave, for up to a week, okay? And now we have dual hurricanes. We have a derecho that popped, knocked out power, Dave, to a million people in Iowa. Did you know that a million people live in Iowa? (laughs) I didn't. A million people live in Iowa that don't have power, okay? No. You have the west coast of California. Do you realize that there is enough – now I'm about to get into the topic here, but there, there's enough backup – individual backup power, generator power in the state of California to power 20% of the state. That's a lot of nasty diesel, okay, and natural gas, okay? So, like, there's so much happening right now. Let's just get right into it. Let's, let's, can we get into some yeah, of these here, tweets? Here's, here are let's some just, of the tweets. What that... are people saying? Well, I want to see what people are actually saying in this world in the middle of this. I'm just like four disasters. What are people saying about it? And then, well, let's find the truth. Government is corrupt, has uh, tweeted. <laughs> this is not. Well, wait, Dave, before you even start, Dave, before you start, I think we need to understand something that. There are a lot of disasters happening in the world right now in this country, and there is a trade. There's a trade that we've identified um, from all these disasters. So let's just start by, yeah, let's look at what people are saying, and let's try to find the trade in what they are saying. Well, this one is saying that this is not cool. Scary as hell. I'm smack in the middle of both. The blue dot is my location. Oh, that's that's not good. Now, I do think that this, this one hurricane has uh, curved. No, 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 no. Look below, Dave. Look below. There's another tweet Uh-oh. right below that. I think is more important and gets right to the oh, point like a, uh, of where we're at. Uh, some kind of a Bitcoin scam. I don't know. What, what do you want me to look at here? No. Follow, follow no, this one? No, the second tweet on that screen. Oh, I'm right There's here in Port Arthur. All generators everywhere are sold out. <laughs> okay. So um, this is highly representative of, uh, honestly, hundreds of tweets that I've read uh, across the um, Gulf and Louisiana generators are sold out everywhere. Now, what's fascinating here is you don't even need to wait for the hurricane to hit because all the generators are already sold out. The hurricane can just disappear. It could disappear. It's going to disappear eventually. Do I sound like anyone? It's going to disappear. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just hope for a miracle. Just a heads up. Two hurricanes going to be bay-blading in the Gulf around me, so... If I can't stream, you know why? Because I'll be watching the Beyblade Championship, of course. I've never heard that term. Is that is that another weather term that I'm not familiar with? Yeah, I'm in Louisiana, and I work at one of the uh, sold-out-of-generators the day after we unloaded a truck. So, Dave, you see, when I sent you these tweets, only the bottom one is what I sent you. For some well, you're odd reason, the top these one. other random ones. Oh, up. Okay. The bottom one is what we wanted. My bad. I don't know why I did that. You're, you're um, clicking so uh, share on the, on the wrong the... link when you're sending it to me, I guess. But now, but Sorry. now I know. So uh, we can we can see that the response to this tweet from uh, this is probably the one you actually met from Keem. One week ago, Iowa got hit by the derecho. It's basically an inland hurricane. Fourteen million acres, forty percent of Iowa crops destroyed. 
and you didn't even know about it because there's so much other BS going on in the world. Look at that. But, but I, I mean, this storm blew out a million people out of power in Iowa. So we already know, guys, that generators are sold out all along the Gulf, right? That we know. Uh, we have that at least in what people are saying. Now we have this storm in Iowa that, quite honestly, I'm embarrassed to say I didn't even know about. A million people out of power. And I think there's a couple other tweets related to Iowa. Do you have yep. this, Dave? Here's uh, get your generators going. We have been without power for three weeks. We survived. Wasn't fun, but we got through it. You can, too. Help yourself. Three weeks. People don't think about getting three generators weeks. in Iowa because things like this just don't happen here. And now that it did, generators are sold out or being sold for ridiculous prices. We uh, never thought we'd be able to prepare for a damn... Never thought we'd need to prepare for a damn hurricane. <laughs> I would you? never. If I were in Iowa, I would definitely not have a generator ready to go, right? I mean, I guess you can have a tornado hit or a big storm, but you're not going to get hit by a hurricane in Iowa, I wouldn't think. But you are because, guys, you know it's a Cat 2 hurricane that's 70 miles wide. 70 mile wide, basically a 70 mile wide tornado. That's what hit Iowa. And it took out their second biggest city, Cedar Rapids, I think is what it's called. Like a hundred and some odd thousand people, just houses, just, I mean, this is a disaster. Now, they didn't have a ton of deaths, okay? But massive destruction. I think they're saying that they have somewhere between two and four billion dollars of destruction. Yeah, I, I read that it was like 40, 40 plus percent of Iowa's crop, and that is a ten billion dollar industry. So that equates to four billion. And uh, the governor, someone, someone from there, asked for four billion dollars of assistance. Yeah, I, it's, and I think they got forty million so far. But regardless, they have no power. I read a tweet of a guy who basically said that. All he smells is fumes from generators. The cell phones don't even work in, in, in a big part of the eastern part of Iowa, yeah, that's except for dialing 911. We grocery can't find generators to run to, to the grocery store. A whole town smells like gas because of generators and chainsaws. So many people have <laughs> roof leaks they can't fix. Ah, Power is still out in so many places. Can't Dave, sleep because of the sound. Just, you just identified a second trade here. So if you haven't been paying attention... I think the first trade that we just identified, potentially, we're going to have to look into this. We'll pull the data in a minute, uh, is Generac. Generac is, as we know, it's the prominent generator, publicly traded generator company. It's yeah. a company that we Talked invested in. Talked about it a little last week. Summer. I actually didn't get in, even though I wrote it down as something I was supposed to do. I, I didn't do it. Ugh, I have been heavily in Generac since I installed my generator this spring, and the generator place I was talking to basically told me that they were more backed up on generators than they've ever been. And I took that as a sign as I'll buy some Generac. I bought Generac. I think I, I spent 27,000 bucks on my Generac uh, generator and I made about 140,000, 150,000 on the trade. Um, so it's been an awesome trade and I'm buying more, I think, as a result. We'll see. We'll see. We'll have to look at the data. Yeah, we have to look first. at the data. Potentially buying. But I, you just, you just you found another some. trade, Dave. What was that trade you just found there? You just called it out. Uh, well, they were saying that there are so many people with leaky roofs and I actually saw someone in the chat mention it earlier. It's, it's, it's one of our go-tos. What's the name of the company? Beacon, Reef, Beacon, Beacon Roofing, Beacon. my ultimate go-to roofing stock. I've been trading this stock for, I don't know, eight or nine years. I love trading Beacon Roofing. I've been out of it for a while. Uh, I kind of regret not buying in when it hit its low earlier this summer. But do, you know, do you know what's crazy Beacon to me? Roofing. Beacon Roofing is is a go-to. We, we look at it every time. But 
we know when hurricanes are coming. We know when hurricane season happens. And you can see on this chart that other people were preparing for that too. It looks like uh, they had a, a pretty good run up from mid-July through now. So are we going to have yeah. to start buying beacon roofing in June well, next year? I don't know. We'll have to look at the data in a minute. Right now, we're just focused on what people are saying. In a minute, we'll kind of look at what they're searching for. But right now, anything else that people are saying? Because right now, we have generators sold out in the Gulf, right? We have generators sold out in Iowa. Um, where else could generators be sold out? What, what other tweets do we have, Dave? Got to, got to figure out which one you're uh, telling me to pull we'll up. Let me, let me guess this one. Thanks for your service and megawatts. Too bad we don't have more solar to uh, make up for the daily demand. How's your battery situation? No battery. Grid tied. Plan to move the whole house to Generac system up in priority through uh, up Generac system up in priority, though, since I have a farm. Yeah, so basically, here's here's a person that essentially is it's showing you consumer behavior, right? And this is what I love about Twitter. This is what I love about contextualized um, data is that you can actually get a sense for what people are thinking as they're doing it, or even before they do it. When we always talk about having to to kind of get a an edge on Wall Street, Wall Street uses transactional data. So they might use credit card data for when people are buying Generac machines, okay? Um, but we can actually use contextualized conversational data to see what the mindset is of someone before they purchase that. So here's someone who lives in what, Iowa, I think, Dave, or is it California? Oh, it's a California. Okay, this is the next piece of it. Yeah. So this guy has a farm in California, plan to move whole house Generac system up in priority though, since I have a farm, right? So California, as we know, has been having blackouts, rolling blackouts for the past, what, seven to 10 days. And man, there is just a flurry of conversation. People are not happy. Um, They are trying to figure out how they can gain energy independence. And while everyone would love to believe that they can do that with with, uh, Tesla, I was literally saying Tesla (laughs) instead of Solar, because in my mind, solar is Tesla, Tesla now. Yeah. How crazy is that? You're not um, the only one. Instead of solar, honestly, a generator, an old school generator that uses natural gas or diesel, as dirty as that is, is really the only way to get that full energy independence when stuff like this happens. So, um, yeah, California. Generators are going crazy in California. Do you know they have a rule in California? You can't turn that generator on unless the state issues a special ruling that says now you'll have to turn your generators on because it's an emergency. They just I think did Gavin that last did, he, he did do that. Um, yep. Last so week. now with the generators, there's really two different type of generators, right? So you've got the one that you install in your house, kind of like you did, Chris. It's, like, it's basically sized properly for how much energy you can use. Um, it runs on natural gas, probably a lot cleaner. And then you've got the portable generator, uh, which is like something that you would go get from Home Depot, like one of the Hondas or something like that. And those things are going to tend to run on either diesel or gasoline. Yeah. Um, it'd probably be probably worth worse for the environment and not properly sized. So like maybe you can run a refrigerator or two off of them, but your whole house isn't going to be running. Cor- correct. And, and they kind of go hand in hand. Like when you see sales go up for one, sales are going up for the other. And while there's a we make generators, the great thing about Generac is if you want to trade generators, Generac is a pure play trade on generators, which is which is really cool. Um, by the way, guys, I almost wanted to go even call one of these generator companies to kind of see how backed up they are. I think Here's- I bought... 
Here's on Twitter someone who uh, apparently works at a generator place. Lots of calls over the weekend regarding generators. We we are sold out again and have no timetable as to when more will arrive. All the storms and hurricanes depleted our warehouses. Okay. By the way, I believe that tweet was coming from someone in the Northeast, uh, and that's where they've actually were also sold out of generators because there were massive power outages from Hurricane Isaiah, I think it was. Is that, is that correct? Hurricane, uh, it was Tropical Storm Isaiah, excuse me. That happened earlier in the month. That was around August or the first week of August. Dave, I think there might be one more tweet. That was the very last from the one. Northeast. The, uh, the long that the last one? That was the last one. So that, that that's what people are saying. We're, people are basically saying there's massive demand for generators in the Gulf, in Iowa, in California, and then the Northeast, from Pennsylvania to New York to New Jersey. Um, Dave, why don't we take a look at what people are searching for. So they know they're talking about generators, but are they searching for generators? Maybe just looking at the word generator as a, as a start, great. And I think for all practical purposes, the US will work fine, a five-year. Five-year five US. US, okay, here we go. Uh, well, it's at an all-time high, this spike here on, uh, if I can get my little I, dot I to go there. I can't see the full graph, Dave. Could you make it bigger so I can actually see the you, on the screen? That's, uh, you need to rearrange your screens within your Sorry. browser so that you can see the full <laughs> <My> screen. <bad. laughs> <laughs> my bad. There we go. Okay. Look at that pop, guys. Man, that pop, you, just so you know, that pop was not from California. It was not from the Gulf. It was not from no, Iowa. Look, look at this. That if is, you look at the re- this searches by region, the whole the whole country is the same color, which never happens. It is, but that one pop, but yeah, but Dave, you're looking over five years. You get to look over the last, if you look Let's over look the, last, the last uh, 30, days, 30 days, you will see Iowa pop up in the last 30 days as a focus oh, yeah. and also the Northeast. Out of nowhere. So, so look at that. Look at that. Iowa, man, 78. Unbelievable. And also the Northeast, right? So you're seeing the Northeast storm and you're seeing Iowa. Now, if we were to pull, I think, a seven-day, Dave, I think you'd probably see more of a focus. I'm just guessing. I haven't looked at this. More on uh, – Oh, look. We have the, we have yeah, the there we go. Louisiana, Louisiana needs their generators. It's it's amazing Isn't how this... you can you can almost predict what people are going to be searching for. But it's amazing. It's it's great that you can go to Google and see exactly what people are searching for. It, it really is incredible, guys. And, and this spike in interest in generators. So people are talking about generators. Then they're going online and searching for generators. So we're getting a little bit closer to people actually actually buying generators. But uh, let's look at Generac. Dave. Can we just look at yeah. a, a, a G-trend on Generac? Do them or, talking or about do, them? do it separate? Uh, just do separate. Just do a, a new one, Generac. Well, that's General. Yeah. Generac. <laughs> All right. Let's look at uh, five years. Oh, but we go five years. Yeah. <laughs> wow. There you go. That's what we want <laughs> wow. to see, right? So, um, listen, I love this trade. The data certainly supports the trade. Look at that. That's that's where you're seeing it. Um, but let me ask you this: Is it how about the roofing trade? Like Beacon Roofing? Let's just look at roof repair. Like just roof repair is a good thing that people would search for, right? Wow! There you yeah. go. Yeah, it happens. Every, it Here happens it is, every hurricane guys. season, but we're at an all time high. Yeah, not like this, Dave. It doesn't. This, that, that is Iowa right there. Look at that. Yeah. Man. Is that, no, no, that's not that Kansas. is not Iowa. That is Kansas. Kansas. Was there a... a this is, this a, is uh, five something. years, though. So there, Oh, but that's five years. That's not if fair. If we look at 30 days, okay, let's see which days. states are... Let's see where the roof are... repair is coming in. 
Well, interesting. So Iowa, Iowa, Kansas, New Mexico, Mexico, Florida, always New York. But Iowa's up there. And then the Northeast is is having a lot. Northeast had terrible wind. There were trees down all over Long Island where my family lives. Um, So there you go. I beacon. Let's take I think we know what people are saying. We know what they're searching for. Um, this, and roof repair near me is it's similar, but I don't always trust that on G Trends, yeah. Dave. Because do people is that something that people started using more often in the last couple of years versus in the probably past, and right? I'm always concerned. roof repair doesn't roof repair has to come to you. It's not like you're looking for a place to go and get roof repair unless you need like uh, lumber or something. Correct. If you're searching for roof repair, your roof is messed up, and you're actually looking to get a new lumber roof now, right? <laughs> <laughs> A lumber now. Look at that. Look at this <laughs> demand for people needing it right now. <laughs> lumber. Love it. Love it. Dave, do you have our web stats on I do. both? Uh, I think I just gave you one because the thing is, it's hard to pull web stats on Beacon Roofing because they changed their website mid year and it's kind of confusing. I will say that their web stats are up year over year for Beacon Roofing. Uh, but I think you have Generac, I believe. Dude. Yes, it's going to take so a we're second gonna look because at... it's in an email because we don't have live <laughs> access to this particular source. What what Dave is going to pull is a kind of a 15, 16 month historical web traffic report on Generac.com. So... Uh, and I'm going to try to get someone from a generator uh, dealer on the phone and just see if I can get some some uh, live data for us. OK, guys, let me just let me here, try to do that right now. Here, that, here's that the interesting, uh, right. Here's the chart we were looking at for Generac.com. This is web traffic dating back to uh, February. And of you last can see year. that's definitely, definitely trending up, definitely trending up uh, year over year. I would say it's up like 20 to 30 percent or more year over year. And what's interesting is not a lot of people go to Generac. They're really just going to Lowe's, Home Depot, and they're calling a local generator place to get that done. My, my generator dealer won't even answer their phones right now. So <laughs> I mean, We're experiencing higher than usual time. traffic volume. So what I would recommend people do, if you're watching this, so we've now told you what people are saying, what they're searching for, and what they're actually doing, right? If you want more evidence about what people are actually doing, I would recommend calling your local generator dealer and just talk with them. Ask them, hey, is the demand for generators, is it higher than normal, lower than normal? And I have a feeling they're going to probably tell you we are backlogged. I even had I even saw one tweet yesterday where people said they were backlogged all the way to November trying to get a generator right now, which is just mind blowing to me. Um, so do the data, but I, I mean, I'm, it's almost like a <laughs> if you think about it, because people are home. You you thought of this as a home improvement project before there was even the season of power it was a outages, pandemic right? project. It's just a project. It was a pandemic project. It was a pandemic project because I did not want to get caught in a situation where my power was out due to a major storm or rolling blackouts, and I had to go stay in a hotel in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. That was my thinking, but I overthink things, right? And but I think there are a lot of people that have old people in their home or people that are immunocompromised that are more at risk of this pandemic and their head is going to the same place that my head went. 
um, is I don't want I want to be able to stay in my home if the power goes out. And the only way to do that, if you live in an area that gets up to 100 degrees or more or gets freezing in the winter, right, is to have a generator installed. Yeah, which is exactly what so, you did. And you had a Generac brand generator installed. And the stock chart on this is out of control. My question is, is it too late? Have we missed? Have, it's already run up. It's Right, Dave, so there's like Dave. this big run up from 135 to like, you know, just under $200 here. Is that okay. run up due to this event in Iowa? No. No, no. So I mean, I'm not going to say that 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 the stock's going up or down from here, but understand something. That run up is due to unprecedented sales of generators from April to June. Okay. That's what that run up is. And Generac came out with earnings. They killed earnings just as I knew they would. Um, so that's what that run up is, is, is for. Now we have an entirely new mini run up that started last week, which is due probably partially to Iowa, a little bit based on this storm, a little bit based on California. But again, all the data continues to support sustained demand for generators that probably can't be fulfilled even. Um, and I just see this as leading to a blockbuster quarter. Can the stock run up more than it should? I don't know. I don't look at stock price. You know that's not part of my methodology. Um, stocks tend to run up you know, way beyond where they should in this environment. Yeah, it is that's, what it that's is. That's my concern is have people data- are, you know, has everybody beat us to this trade? I mean, you, you were in it already. I didn't get in it last week, but it was already up 100% from – Dave, I'm still in the trade. And every day that I stay in the trade is essentially rebuying the trade that day, right? So every day I make a decision to not sell a stock is the same thing as me making a decision to repurchase that stock. There is absolutely no difference. And I made a decision to repurchase my Generac this morning, as I have every single morning for the last few months. I'm going to call this generator place. Let's see if they give us any type of uh, good data here. Just a random generator place I found in North Texas. And we're not in a hot zone of like, high yeah. generator demand, but it has been really high since the spring. Maybe the generator. Hey, how you doing? I just have a quick question for you. Um, is there a, a wait right now to get Generac, uh, Generac generator installed or are they, are they widely available? Uh, that's not what I do. Oh, uh, what? Call, uh, I'm automotive things. Oh, gotcha. Can you connect call, me to the- Parker Power Supply. Parker Power Supply. Okay. <laughs> he called it. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thank he you. called someone who does okay. a different kind of uh, motor. Hey, this is YouTube, right? It's unplanned, <laughs> all right? This, this, if you want to see how I do my due diligence in the Dialing rough, for dollars. This, this is this how we do it. I mean, this is it. You want a polished show? Watch CNBC. Parker, Parker Power Sports. Par- Man. Why they make it so hard on me, Hong? Let me Google. Google, Google gener- like uh, Generac generator install near me. <laughs> Parker Power Supply. All right, here we go. Here we go. Ready? Parker Power Supply Systems. I got them right here um, in Carrollton. Let's call them right now. They might or might not install Generac, but maybe they do. Uh, whole home generator is all that really matters, yeah. guys, because it doesn't matter if it's one brand or the other. If one's doing well, they're all doing well. Good afternoon, Parker Power Systems. Hi, how are you doing? Um, I'm calling about your whole house generators. Do you guys do that? Yes, sir, we do. Hold on one moment. Let me get Richard for you. Thank you. Okay. Appreciate Thank it. You, this is compelling YouTube right here. Live calling <laughs> random generator installers. It- 
This is it. Hey, Richard, uh, do you guys do whole home generators? Do we what? Do you install whole house generators? We don't actually do it ourselves. I've got a master electrician that I use. Oh, okay. Is there, like, are there available Generacs right now, or is it like a wait list, or is it like a delay to get those? Are they backed up? Uh, uh, there's a delay to get them. Um, I've got them coming in, um, but not everything's sold, but I've got them coming in. I mean, it's, they're going out as fast as they're coming in, so... Is this it depends on which which model you're after? What, why are they selling out? Like I don't understand why are they selling out right now? Uh, well, the I get the hurricanes took out all the stock that Generac had, and so uh, they just been trying to to build the stock back up, and then sales have been taken off for some reason. Um, I guess the threat of more hurricanes and and uh, more awareness so people are just uh, sales are just up is this is this the worst you've ever seen it yeah i've never seen a move this this much um generax uh trying to get another line going now to where they've got another assembly line going uh i don't know if it's going to be up this week or next week but they still think it'll be next march before they'll actually have stock you know an abundance of stock right now everything that comes off the line just goes into trucks and ships out wow okay all right well thank you so much for your help i appreciate it let me let me think about that if i if i can afford to wait here um and i'll give you guys a call back thank you so much sure yeah. appreciate That's, your help thank i got you. some i got 24s coming in that aren't sold you know, is... oh gotcha well, let me see when those are going to be coming in. yeah i i, I might it's a much bigger house i need like the really big one um, but thank you so much for your help. I really appreciate it. Okay. You have a one, you have a wonderful week. All right. You too. Thank you. Bye. That's fun. So, so there it is. That was just a totally random call, uh, <laughs> proving, with a random place. Proving, your that thesis. Was proving the thesis, but listen, guys, I mean, when you're doing these types of investments, you, you can't, you know, you, you don't just roll the dice on reading an article. Like if you're just reading an article and just rolling the dice, you got to get out there and speak to the people, right? You got to do your homework. And honestly, like this is all part of it. You got to check the tweets. You got to check the G trends. You got to check the web stats, right? You got to call the supply chain. You have to do your homework. I've seen enough, guys. Dave, Jordan, I've seen it. I am investing more in Generac right Are now. You? I'm actually increasing my Generac trade right this second. I feel second, like Generac okay? might and be I, too so I think high. That was a, he actually gave us a really interesting insight that we didn't know before, right? And that's that Generac is actually trying to expand their production capacity. And I think that's that's really telling. That is super telling. He said it's going to be March of next year before they actually have them just ready to go, available. Until then, I think basically what that means, guys is that Generac has pre-sold every single unit that they are capable of manufacturing from now till next March. You know what that sounds a lot like? Peloton, okay? <laughs> so basically, we might just have the Peloton of energy right here. And that's all I need to know, guys. I'm, I, I'm purchasing more right now. I'm going to try to beat you if you're purchasing it or anyone else that's watching the show. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to add another thousand shares of uh, Generac here on Chris, we are two minutes away no, from our group. TikTok. Another thousand shares. I'm now at four thousand shares. I think of Generac, which is a lot, right? That is a lot. 
4,000 shares of Generac. That's $750,000 of Generac is what I'm up to. And I feel pretty comfortable that if they've pre-sold every unit to distributors and retailers from now to next March, eh, I can live with that. I can live with that risk-reward scenario, okay? Um, I'm also bought Beacon Roofing. I got back into it this morning. And that's it. Are you guys, what do you, yeah. what do you think? See, I'm wondering, um, just, you know, with with uh, with hurricanes and things like that, doesn't it mess up local water supplies? Is there a play on maybe like Coke or something like that here where uh, they're pumping out a bunch of extra, I don't even know, do they do Ozarka or who, who does Coke own as far as bottled water goes? So are they going to be selling a lot more of that? I mean, potent, I mean, this is not a mega hurricane situation. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just not. But what I'm saying, though, is that, you know, I'm anticipating that this could be a big hurricane upswing, right? Because we've got, like I said, we've, since we have the most hurricanes that we've seen to date, named hurricanes to date of any year, um, the chances are they're probably going to keep coming. Uh, potentially. And so I'll, in preparation... I, I'm not making that trade until I see yeah. some real deal monster hurricanes coming. And also, Jordan, yes, potentially, maybe, but it's that would be an odd. I've never seen that hurricane trade in the past. I've never seen yeah. it pay off. I would rather stick, if I see that coming, I'd rather front run the hurricanes and stick with more traditional hurricane trades. Home Depot, Lowe's, Flooring Decor, Generac, Beacon Roofing. Um, there's a handful of others. Um, but I also... There's a big, big, big hurricane trade that we've been talking about for years and years. It has never played out fully, but it's these couple of these insurance companies that uh, basically insure most of the hurricane insurance in Florida. And they get hit every time a hurricane comes and they immediately pop back. Like the day before when everyone realizes that it's not going to be a Cat 4 or a Cat 5. Well, remember, uh, I think we played it. this like two years ago or last year, yeah. Chris, and we, we were both in options. And then the very, like within two minutes of market close on Friday, they said, hey, on Sunday when, it's, when we think it's going to hit, it's going to avoid. And we both just bailed out, right? Yes. yes. Bailed out on that play. So awesome. I love it. But guys, just so you know, we will have the greatest hurricane episode you've ever seen in your life if we really feel that there's a major hurricane about to Absolutely. hit. Um, I promise you we will have it and we will have it quicker than anyone else thinks to have that episode because we're watching every storm coming it's up something, right now. And there's just, yeah, we don't hurricane, hurricane is something that we watch like intensely anytime there is one coming. And so we will definitely um, be bringing that to you. Just want to let you know that it looks like we are under two minutes away from the uh, premiere of our video oh, on you our other channel. Oh, you got with us, guys. Please so, come to dumbmoney.tv. What, what, no, what is it, Dave? No, YouTube.com. If you go to dumbmoney.tv, you will be redirected to one of our channels. But if you're watching us right now, just click on the, uh, on the other channel. Uh, actually, here, let me put it in the uh, live chat. So I just posted a, a link to the video in the live chat. And uh, we will watch this with you live. This is something that we saw on one of our live shows where Chris basically has an idea about roller skating and how it is just taking over the world because of a, a phenomenon um, and, a, and a meme that went viral on TikTok, starting Guys, with actual roller skates, moving on to roller uh, skateboards, and, and then that Taylor Swift pushing the skateboard away, which I still contend is... Filmed many ways other than skateboards, but 
Guys, can you please watch this episode and like it? You will love the intro. It's the funnest intro we have ever done in the history of Dumb Money. You absolutely must see the introduction for this episode. So don't show up late. Show up in 40 seconds. And please, please like it. Uh, we spent Our crew spent so much time putting this together. Uh, and it's so fun. Please check it out and like it. And if you're watching us here... We just have 30 seconds, so that's just the right amount of time for me to ask you to hit that sub button if you haven't already. Smash the bell for notifications. You'll be notified every time we make a video. Um, we also have this available as a podcast. If you go to any of your favorite podcasting uh, platforms, just look for uh, Dumb Money Live. And now we've got the final countdown here. We're going to say thank you guys so much for watching. We're Dumb Money. We will see you again on Thursday. Mm.